the Naked Vibe Show. Are you ready to get naked? Hey, hey, it's Kimberly Kane. Welcome to the Naked Vibe Show podcast. I've got a special guest for you in this episode, but before I introduce him, I want to tell you what I'm highlighting this month overall. June is Men's Mental Health Month internationally. And you guys, this is so important to me because you are so important to me. I really feel a calling to do whatever I can to help you rise, to help you find your center, to help you know how loved you are, how much you matter, and how much all of us, this world, needs you to stand in your power and bring your gifts to the table, bring your talents, bring your skills. Just simply bring yourself, your authentic self to the table. Get in the game, play. Your family needs you, your friends need you, your company needs you, the world needs you, but guess what? You need yourself. You need yourself. And there are so many men who've lost themselves And on this podcast, I want to do everything I can to help you find what it is that you feel like you're missing. The interesting thing is you may not be missing as much as you think. I'm going to tell you that you're not missing it. It's just buried. So even if you're super successful by whatever measurement you use for success, if you feel like there's something missing then keep listening and stay tuned in so that I can help you and my guests can help you get to that place where you rediscover yourself and realize that you are amazing. Naked Vibes. I also want to ask you to help other guys in their journey. Nobody can do this alone. What will help so much, I'm going to ask you to go over to Apple Podcasts and do a review of the show, or at the very least, give it a rating. It will tell Apple, hey, you need to show this to more guys. Believe me, it makes a difference. And then go over to Instagram, KimberlyKane.Music.Media. That's Kimberly with an L-Y and Kane, C-A-I-N dot music dot media and DM me or make a comment on one of the posts and let me know that you did that. I really appreciate it. If you need the link to get to Apple Podcasts, then just go to nakedvibes.com. In the show notes, I've got the link for you right there. Also, you'll find all the links to subscribe to whatever streaming platform you like to get your podcasts on. And the reason for that is that I've got a lot more goodness coming your way, and I don't want you to miss a single episode. So let's get to it. Let me introduce you to my guest today. I have Michael Kenny here today as my guest, and Michael is a health rhythms facilitator like myself. He has a lot more experience with it than I do, and so I'm excited to dive into that and what his experiences are with such an incredible protocol for drumming. He also is a practitioner of Takatina, which we're going to talk about, and a lot of cool stuff about how drums and music really are medicine in our lives. So hello, Michael. Welcome. Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to be here. 
Yeah. So why don't we dive in first? I've talked about health rhythms on the podcast, but I would love for you to share what your practice has been with the health rhythms protocol, the why behind it and how you use it in your practice. Sure. I became aware of the health rhythms program through, um, just my connections in the drum community and the drumming for health community. So I'm also a music therapist. I did my, my bachelor's and my master's in music therapy. And I've been a longtime friend of Christine Stevens, who actually is one of the people that helped develop uh, health rhythms. She was my trainer. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. She and Barry did my training too. Yeah. She's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I love Christine. So um, so the, the health rhythms protocol was developed primarily by Dr. Barry Bittman, who's a neurologist, and um, Christine Stevens, who's a music therapist. And what they're looking for, and this is, I, I, I don't know if it was funded by Remo, it was certainly supported by Remo. So let me take a real quick aside. The company Remo Drums is named after a person named Remo Belly. And this guy, he just died a few years ago. He's quite an old man. He actually invented the synthetic drum head. So before Remo... All drum sets, all drums had animal skin heads on them. And so, you know, there's a lot of variability in, well, one skin to another. And then also with temperature and humidity, right, they change. So they'd have to tune drums often. And the drummer would have to, you know, while everybody else in the band is taking a break, the drummer's got to retune the drums they just played half a set on, right? So it was a real boon to the whole world of drumming when um, Remo Belly came up with, um, the, the Mylar drum head, which is still uh, the standard today, and, and everybody makes them, but he is the guy, right, that did that. And then he created this company. His um, vision was really a drum in every household, that drumming be not just something that some guy in a band played, but as in traditional societies, that it be something that really connect community and bring people together, even at the family level, right, and at the community level. And at professional levels. So then he set about um, uh, designing and coming up with new types and materials, types of drums and materials for constructing drums to make them uh, weatherproof, lightweight, strong, all the considerations that you would want for the type of drum that's going to go out and could be anywhere and used anywhere. You know, there are people that, let's say that there are purists that, scoff at Remo drums, but when I go to play at the marathon, right, to, and which we do every year, to bring in the runners, and it's snowing and sleeting and partially raining, I want a Remo drum. I don't want to take my African wood and skin drum out there because it get ruined. Yeah. <laughs> right? So um, he's really done a, a great service to the world of drumming. And also he was an early partner, and this is a long way coming back around to health rhythms, but he was an early partner with um, a guy named Arthur Hull, who some of your listeners might be familiar with, right? Arthur Hull is sometimes called the father of the drum circle movement. And he, um, uh, like way back in the day, and I don't want to say when, I don't know, uh, 80s or something, right? It was like when men's groups were first becoming a thing. Right. And he was real involved with that with the men's group movement. And just to step back further before I bring it up to health rhythms, Arthur Hull was a student and follower of Babatunde Olatunji. 
And it's a real interesting story. A lot of people in the drumming world know Babatunde that might not know his story. So my understanding is, and Baba was, uh, is from Nigeria. He's also passed away. And he came over to the United States in the 1950s. He went to the University of, I believe it was Atlanta, All right? Deep South in the 50s, this big African guy <laughs> yeah, uh, for political science, right? So you can imagine, um, you know, uh, what it was, it was the deep Jim Crow South. Right. This guy whose English was, well, they do speak English in Nigeria because it was colonized by the British. Right. But he had a non-American accent. Um, and ultimately, Baba Tunde, looking around at American society, realized, you know, international political relations is not what the world needs from me. These people need the drum. And he brought the African drums over. And it's really Baba Tunde Olatunji who gave the drum to the American people, right? Arthur Hull would not have been bringing the drum to men's groups. There would not be, you know, drum circles and health rhythms and all these protocols and drum circles in every city, really, if it hadn't have been for Baba Tunde. So going back to Baba and then through Arthur Hull and Remo Belly and uh, Dr. Barry Bittman and Christine Stevens as this kind of an evolutionary path. Um, so, when it came to Dr. Bittman and Christine Stevens, by that time, people had had a lot of experience with the drum and drum circles and a lot of report feedback and anecdotal evidence of um, well, how those experiences could change people's lives in the sense of how they feel about themselves, how they feel about belonging, right? How they feel about connecting with others, having something they can relate to other people through, um, and, and drumming was a, a means to provide this. So looking deeper and there's, uh, so I mentioned I'm a music therapist in the field of music therapy. There's a lot of research into how different musical interventions and applications, um, affect the health and well-being of the human being on a, an emotional, a social, a psychosocial, a, a physiological and immunological level. And so what they did was they um, designed a study. I don't want to say to prove that drumming is good for you, right? but I'd say they had their bias, right? And so set up a, a study to look for. And also they are uh, both very um, ethical and reputable people. And if the studies had proved the contrary of our hypothesis, they would have reported that as well, obviously. Um, so they tried a few different methods. Um, one, they just thought, well, let's just bring in a West African drum teacher and we'll have drum class. Right. And people loved it. But what they were looking for, because they, they need a physiological marker. So what they were doing was looking for T cell levels, right? The killer T cells, right? That mm -hmm. are important in immune response for fighting stuff like cancer. Right. And, uh, they found real, no real change, with that. So like, oh, well, let's be uh, okay, maybe it's not that. Let's, and I forget all the things they tried. And then they brought just an, a local drum circle leader and like, well, we'll do a drum circle, right? Maybe the drum class, there was too much stress. And with that, even though people reported they loved it and had a great time, you know, maybe that was a counter uh, thing. So they did a drum circle and same thing. Uh, everybody enjoyed it, but not the effect they were looking for. Mm -hmm. And so through this process of trying to see what would it take, like if, if I really believe that drumming has this positive physiological effect, but it's not showing up, like let's start like what can we do? And they 
tweak their program. So the Health Rhythms program is not just about drumming, which is why it's really effective and uh, requires training, specific, special training, like, like you know. So it's also, there's a social part, right, about welcoming people in and getting people communicating and interacting, right? Playing these games, right? So there's silliness and laughter, yeah. And also making mistakes, right? Right. The, with the passing of the eggs thing, the little games we play, all these things are important, right? So, um, you know, there's these social aspects. There's these things of interpersonal bonding. There's these element of it's okay to make a mistake and laugh about it and we pick it up and we go on, right? Right. No harm done, nothing wrong, Right. And then the drumming and being led into the drumming situation. It's not a drum class, but you're given enough information so that you're not also um, intimidated by the drum. Right. Not knowing what to do. Right. So that, but making clear it's not a class because, you know, what Arthur calls like student mode. When people go into student mode, they're like, oh, because <laughs> then you're afraid of getting it wrong. Right. Because you want to do it right. Cause it, right. And then. Because you want to be a good student. Yeah, we all want to be a good student, right? We want to we want to please our teacher and impress our teacher and our peers and not screw it up, right? So that that puts you in a different place of um, really sort of separation from present, right? And being really present in the moment. And the other key element of the health rhythm is the meditation aspect. Yes. Right, and we we'll do these guided meditations and a slowing down, right? So this whole protocol is built to to follow this arc of development of, you know, getting closeness and familiarity, building of excitement, right? Releasing of the inhibitions and the self-judgment and then easing down to this meditation and, and coming back out. And what they did find once they developed that protocol was that there were actual significant, statistically significant and repeatable, predictable results in elevation of killer T cells and immune response in the body. Mm-hmm. So... That's when you're like, yeah, here it is. This is the protocol we're going to run with. So not that that's the only way to do that, but the health rhythms protocol they came up with is like a recipe. Yeah. If you've been well-trained in this and you can carry it out, right, it's going to have positive effects. So, yeah, thanks for asking for a little deeper, um, you know, exploration into that yeah because i also want to say um i'm sorry i don't want to do all the talking no you're fine i i think that's really good because i talk about health rhythms regularly on the podcast and there are some times where i've gone deep into what it is but not often and so it helps to revisit for people for listeners to hear exactly what it is and how it's different from a typical drum circle and you know you mentioned talking about the fun part of it the last facilitation that i did uh there was a person who broke out into such deep deep belly laughter and could not stop laughing Uh, yeah and then everybody was laughing and i was like that is exactly what it's all about right yeah yeah absolutely I mean, there's something uh, laughing together with a group yes, and not laughing at no. somebody else's misery, but just the laughter of joy. The joy. The overflowing of joy is very powerful. Very powerful. 
and very uh, healing. It's such an overused word, but but it is. Sure. You know, and I also wanted to um, just touch back a little bit and, and sort of reiterate and emphasize this point. When you say how the Health Rhythms Protocol is different from a typical drum circle, if there is such a thing, right, or you know, just an organic community drum circle, and it is because of what we had just discussed. Mm-hmm. And so I hear a lot of times, you know, people make some pretty outrageously over-the-top claims about the benefits of drumming. And uh, I think by overselling something, it actually undermines the the sort of believability or credibility of it. And another thing is when people say drums are healing or drum circles are this. No, they're not. In the hands of a trained professional who is intentionally and consciously carrying out either a certain protocol or through their training and experience, right, on purpose doing something, yes, then it's possible. But drums can also be harmful, destructive, alienating, painful, right? So it's not the drum by itself. I don't want to say it's nothing. It's a tool. Sure. Right. And so in the hands of a skilled facilitator, yes, the potential for that healing, for that community aspect or all of that is there. Right. But just because some bozos beating a drum, no, I'm sorry, it is not automatically like healing, fixing, fixing your, repairing your DNA. Exactly. Right. <laughs> of course. Right. I think that at a very base level for me, what I like to share with people is that what is healing is movement. So our bodies are made to move, but we live in a very, very heady culture where we spend all this time in our heads. And if we don't get into our bodies with intention, with movement, then there are a lot of things that lock up and that don't function properly. And one thing that drumming does is it creates movement. Yeah. And a lot of times it helps people to start moving who are very self-conscious and very fearful of moving for whatever reasons. But the drum can very naturally get them to feel a vibration in their bodies as it connects and the ability to feel safe and okay to move a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that at a really base level that I love about thinking about healing and what drumming can do from a healing perspective. It can do so much more than that, as we've talked about with the Health Rhythms Protocol. But that would be just on that base level. If if you feel self-conscious about movement, or if you just need to get into a meditation, meaning getting out of your head, letting go of thoughts, it's very hard to be worrying about all the things that you need to take care of in a day if you have got a little rhythm and a little groove going on, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So you also have a practice called Takatina. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I am actually the only music therapist in the United States that is 
trained and certified in Takatina. Amazing. And I'm the only Takatina teacher between Santa Fe and Atlanta. So we're few and far between in this country. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not very well known. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it a little bit. Sure. Um, so this process was developed by my teacher, Reinhard Flatischler, who's from Austria. And he started developing this program probably 60 years ago, about that. And has been teaching since then and developing and refining this process. So in Europe now, the Takitina rhythm process is used in pain clinics, in therapy, um, in uh, physical rehab, as well as in uh, music conservatories as an extremely efficient means of teaching rhythm. And not just teaching rhythm, but gaining an understanding of rhythm from the inside. Like, mm, you know, like riding a bike. It's not that you understand balance, it's that you got it, right? And the same thing with rhythm and in this process, not just understanding, but you get it in a way that you don't have to know. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. I mean, honestly, it's the only way you can know. When you know through the actual experience of rhythm as opposed to knowing up here. Yeah, and then you never have to say it because my teacher said so, right? Yeah, you're like, I know it because I feel it. It's in here. <laughs> I can tell you with authority, right? Yes, right. Yeah. Yeah, so um, this process developed out of his work. And um, uh, I mean, there's a lot of backstory. I won't go into this. But uh, he was looking for, like, what is the meaning of pulse? Like, what is the the significance of pulsation and human beings' relation to pulsation? Because we have music in every culture and every society, and we have dance. And without awareness, consciousness, understanding of pulsation, and an agreement on that where we can connect with each other mm-hmm. on layer level of pulsation, we can't have any of that. Right? So there's something very significant in this. And our heartbeat, right? our breathing... And then in the natural world, the rhythm of the day, there are longer and shorter cycles of pulsation. And so, you know, as he's looking into this, he discovered that there are certain basic elements to rhythm and movement that occur worldwide all times. Doesn't matter the language, the culture, the religion, what century we're in, because it has to do with the human body expressing itself. Right. So these things, our relationship to music is based on uh, what makes sense to our body. Mm -hmm. For example, right. One rhythm, sorry, one rhythm is, uh, you know, the speed of, uh, let's say, the oscillation of of an electron in an atom. Okay. We can understand that. We can observe it. But it also makes no sense as far as the human body is concerned. We're not dancing at that tempo. (laughs) right and then there's the cycle of how long does it take the milky way galaxy to spin one time we can conceive that we can measure it but it makes no sense in our body so there's really this very narrow range of tempos and rhythms that fit us right that fit the human body and that we fit into and make sense right so looking at that um there are basic elements that occur as I said, in all time, or it's not rhythm. We can't hold together. So what he calls uh, archetypal rhythmic movements are a way to perceive or conceive of what is rhythm, right? And how do we conceive of rhythm? So rhythm is by definition cyclical, right? Or it's not rhythm. So just by definition. So it's a, there's a cycle, 
So that's one of the movements is the cycle. How long does the rhythm take to go around okay. before it starts over again? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We could say in Western music, we'd say, here's the one, right? And is it an eight beat cycle? Is it a 16 beat cycle? Whatever it is. And then it comes back around to the one again. Mm-hmm. So you have a cycle. Right, so inside the cycle, we have what you might call the beat or tempo or the pulse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and without again all music and all rhythm, in order for us, us to stay connected, has a steady, predictable, and reliable pulse. Right, doesn't speed up, doesn't slow down. That's what it is for now. Right, so we can all be together. And then the next layer of that is what we call subdivision. So we can imagine smaller spaces of time that we can mark than the pulse. So if this is the pulse, I can say, right? And so those, right, you know what subdivisions are. So those smaller notes, right, it's the, the, it's, the pulse you can think is like the ground layer, right? And then the cycle is how many pulses before we come back to the beginning? And the subdivision is if we look inside the pulse, how does it divide? And generally, it always divides by two or three, right? You know, in, in like professional musicians, trained musicians, we can subdivide a pulse by five. Yeah. Or more, if you want to, generally as an ornament, right? Or as an effect, right? Like there's, I don't know of any music that with an ongoing throughout the music, the pulse is subdivided by anything other than two or three, right? Yeah, yeah. We have like quintuplets and, and things like that. We have arrangements of way to do that, but it's, it's, a, it's a discrete, it's an element or an event, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the ongoing pulse is generally divided by two or three. So... That's one element of it. And then looking at how we perceive of rhythm, right? And, you know, you might have a sense of, you know, when the rhythm if the, is always being pounded on the pulse, right? It can be really uh, kind of grinds you down, wears you out. Yes. Yes. Right? And then, but then, you know, there's other types of music like like samba, right? Something where the pulse, like the strong beat is on what we call the offbeat, mm-hmm. right? So he would talk about, you know, um, weight, like weight points in a rhythm. So the one is the, the weightiest part of the cycle, right? The downbeat, right? And opposite the downbeat is the, like the lightest part. And so by turning it around and putting the drum on the lightweight part of the cycle, instead of the heavy part of the cycle and leaving the heavy part of the cycle open, it actually gives you, it kind of gives you buoyancy, right? And lifts you up on the rhythm. Mm-hmm. There is space to be able to move and breathe in it. Whereas what you were talking about before, that driving force, you're, you're, which is great for certain things, but you're forced into an exact, locked into a place, whereas this allows you space to move a little differently. Yeah, I like that. I should write that down. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch this back and, and take notes. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna. My friend Kim said, um, <laughs> "Space to move." <laughs> you know. Yeah. So this process, Takitina, is really about our relationship with time and space, mm-hmm. and our relationship with ourself, and our relationship with 
each other. So in the process of this practice, you know, we do it as a group. Um, everybody has a very deeply personal experience and journey, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And everybody's struggling with something, whether it's self-criticism, self-judgment, I don't get it. I'm not worthy. I'm not, yeah. I'm I, I'm not a singer. I, I'm not a dancer. Like, I'm not a, you know, uh, like they're getting it so much faster than me, whatever. Uh, I don't know how to do that. I don't understand what he said. What does he, you know, what does he want of me? What do we, right? And by engaging in the process, everybody's got to come to terms with that and sort of work that out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, we're in this circle where we're all mutually, simultaneously leaning on each other and supporting each other and witnessing each other's struggle mm-hmm. and recover and, and triumph, right? Um, so there's a very powerful group aspect, communal aspect of it as well. At the same time, we're having this intense personal, private journey, right? And dealing with it. Sure. So I, I will say this as a music therapist, and I, and I got into music therapy because I had personal experiences and encounters in music and uh, interpersonal encounters in music that blew my mind. Like this was like the most astounding, mystical, transcendent experiences of my life. And so I... That's what led me into the study, right, and practice of music therapy. Really looking for, like, what is it um, that makes this such a significant activity for human beings? Because we might not like the same kind of music, but we got our music. Right. Right? Everybody's got your music, yeah? Right. And so when I found this process of Takatina, it just, in a way, it was like everything I had been looking for. Because I have never before since, and I've been practicing music therapy for over 25 years. Um, like I said, I did my bachelor's and my master's. I, I did several uh, additional uh, professional certifications, including health rhythms. I, have, I do not know of anything that simultaneously engages so many parts and functions of the brain and the body at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is beautiful. It's like you found the thing that that is the whole, that has all of the pieces and parts comprised in that one practice. I love that. Yeah, me too. And and I like I, I'm sort of like a doer. I'm an active person, and and I have practiced meditation for many many years. And you know, I, I love various forms of sitting meditation. But I can tell you, even as a seasoned meditation practitioner, that I will suddenly find myself. And I will realize that it's already been 20 minutes that I've been making plans and lists and reviewing the day, right? Before I even realize how far off track I am. Yes, yes. Um, and then you come back and like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this process of Takatina, it's like real-time feedback on meditation because mm-hmm. instantaneously, when you are not present, you fall out of rhythm. Exactly. Right. So you can't be like off in another world for 10 minutes before realizing you, your mind has drifted. It's instantaneous feedback because you're, you fall out of rhythm. Sure. And so it's a, it's a practice, right? With real time feedback and staying present in the moment and letting go 
of all of it, right? The self-criticism, the trying to figure it out, the trying to predict, which is the stuff that like gets us in trouble in our daily lives all the time anyway, right? Yes, absolutely. I, you know, and everything you're saying there, I created these rhythmic movement meditations specifically to use in my coaching practice for people who have trouble. First of all, you know, the idea that we can just completely quiet the mind is, mm-hmm. is, I think that is what gets a lot of people off track and thinking that they can't meditate because it's really not about getting the mind completely clear and having no thoughts. Good luck with that, especially in today's culture, you know? Yeah. So it's more about witnessing the mind, witnessing that, okay, I'm, I'm quieting my mind, but oh, look, there's the grocery list. How did that get in here? Okay. Brush that away. But for me, I know that a moving practice as a musician, I find that when I'm moving, that's where I can enter this, what I call the zone. You know, you can call it flow. You can call it, you know, the transcendental mind, whatever it is, but you enter into a different space, a different frequency bandwidth, if you will. Yeah. And you do clear the mind. Very naturally, the mind becomes clear because it's focused. And I find that rhythm is the, really is the greatest. um, I do have some other practices that I engage in, but that for me is a great way to share with other people how to do it very quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can literally just step right into that practice. Yeah, and the beauty of that, I love that you um, mentioned that, because these, what we call somatic practices, practices in the body, mm-hmm. again, going back to, it's not just an idea, right, or an understanding, it's a knowing through doing. Yeah. Right? And it's like, there's nothing to remember. Yeah. Right? Nothing to achieve and, and, and to master, it's just doing, and there you are. Yeah, and it can be very efficient, right? Because mm-hmm. as as you were mentioning, right, when you engage in these moving rhythm practices, it takes you very quickly into this sort of altered state. Mm-hmm. But like I like to say, like not not a like la la woo woo trance state, but a state of heightened awareness, right? Maybe clarity. Um, multiple states of, you know, it, like here's one thing a lot of people don't realize. You can be in more than one brainwave state at a time. Mm-hmm. It's not either alpha or beta or theta or delta, mm-hmm. right? You can have all these things happening at the same time, the same way that in a symphony, you can have, you have the bass instruments and the middle instruments. Yes. And, this, and all this goes together, right? Mm-hmm. In varying degrees of intensity. And sometimes it's more down here and sometimes it's more up here. Mm-hmm. The thing is, when we get into this through movement, Right, we can sense this and feel this, and these changes in mood state and body state and awareness are accompanied by and accompany. They have signatures like hormonal chemical signatures. Your uh, neurotransmitter hormone profile in your body is different, and and you could very finely, discreetly sort of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? But you can, you can have a picture, like, I don't want to say a recipe, like a measurement. Like you say, okay, here's your neurotransmitter hormone level state 
right now. And a different mood, a different mm-hmm. feeling is a completely different chemical, biochemical state, right? So when we are able to enter into these states through these practices, then we get a taste of, you know how you never forget what something smells like? Right. You never forget what something tastes like. Right. Right. You get this sense of it from the inside, right? And when you are able to practice that, and so the practice is like a yoga practice or meditation practice, not necessarily to acquire skill or to get better, although that may be a side effect. It's the practicing itself that is the goal. Then that's where it happens. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we do these somatic practices, we're training our body to know what it feels like, to know that chemical state. I want to tell you about Real Men Rock. With so many people craving for a deeper connection to others, to be able to share what's on their hearts and minds and to feel heard. I really believe that we all have to take responsibility for creating community. Our world has changed and we are looking for new ways and different ways to connect. So I'm creating an online group for men to be able to get some coaching around the things that you're struggling with, that you're challenged with, that you just want to share from your heart or be a listener to important conversations that enliven you and make you feel more connected to your soul. Tips and tools and conversations that will help you feel more satisfied in your work, connected in your intimate relationships, that will help you feel like a more connected, better lover, better father, better friend, and really overall more connected to your own self, to who you really are, as opposed to the expectations that are put on you by others and by society. You're more than that. And this is a space where you can explore and exercise and connect and have some fun and relax. It's called Real Men Rock. And right now you can be a founding member at a greatly reduced price. Go to the show notes on nakedvibes.com, sign up to become a founding member, and I'll send you some information about joining me in Real Men Rock because you do. I'm getting hung up on words because we really, we don't have a vocabulary for this, you know. We, we really don't have a vocabulary for it. And that's one of the reasons we need to talk about it. But let's say it's a profile or a signature of what it feels like to be in a state of joy or in a state of ecstasy or just in a state of peaceful movement. And I think that... This is so important for people to learn how to easily and quickly step into those places because we have so much noise, again, going on in our culture and people get very upset about so many different things. And we have to be able to rein that in, bring that down into a better, more peaceful state so that we continue, can continue to do the things in our lives that that really turn us on and that bring us joy and where we can be effective and loving with one another. And these are just ways that you can, that's what I love to bring to the table for people. How can we 
quickly get out of that junk state and that mental chatter and or a state of depression or anxiety. And I don't want to paint that like we're not saying here, oh, we have the prescription for your depression or anxiety. What I will say, though, is that we have a prescription that helps in these areas. And this is one of those practices that can do that. Um, you know, I, I just want to jump in and just say how much I appreciate the way you worded that. Good. One thank you. Yeah, signature profile. That's exactly the word I was looking for. That's great. Good. Hey, yeah, that's really great. And so the other thing that I um, wanted to mention, I really appreciate the way you phrased, because again, I've seen so much overpromise. Um, and, you know, if you over overpromise and people don't receive what you promised, then they feel cheated, right? Mm. right? Or uh, it discredits the, the work you're doing or the medium you're using. So like, for example, I know a local guy who claims that his drum circle, and he's a health rhythms trained person, will cure your depression. Oh. Like one hour with this guy, it'll cure your depression. Oh, dear. It'll cure your PTSD. Yeah, oh, dear is right. Um, you know, and so... There's a clinical set of symptoms that when they um, manifest, right, over a certain amount of time in relation to each other, are fall into the rubric of what is called depression in a clinical sense. Nobody's going to clear cure depression. Uh, they haven't. They don't come. They don't yet have psychopharmacology to cure depression what people we manage depression mm -hmm. right and we deal with depression and one of the ways to do that is by increasing joy increase joy right and activity <laughs> and so certainly it it is appropriate we can say that you know drumming and these uh, moving rhythm meditation practices and so on can uh, alleviate symptoms of depression can ameliorate your mood can reduce symptoms of anxiety and contribute to greater connection with other people. All that is true. And so um, anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge the way that uh, you appropriately professionally framed that is refreshing. Oh, thank you. Because I hear, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I, and I just want to make sure for your listeners, right, that um, to, to draw that line, that point, yeah. right? We're not saying this is going to cure anything, but it will sure as heck make you feel better, right? Well, you know, I think the thing is, there are always things on one or the other end of a spectrum, okay? So here in this middle part of the spectrum, to the extent that we can, it is our responsibility to take care of our own mental health. And that means engaging in practices that contribute to our mental health, our spiritual, emotional, physical health. I mean, we know that if we just continue to pour junk food down, that eventually the body is going to break down. It's not going to have the strength to do the things that we want to do. That same principle works on a spiritual, emotional level, on a mental level, but it's not yet talked about as much. So we have to continue talking about it to educate people that when you put into practice many layers of things that contribute to your health and well-being, it's kind of like you have two choices. 
what you take in can either contribute to the, the detriment of your body, mind, spirit, or it can contribute to the building up of your joy and your ability to participate in life at the level that, you know, that we would all like to participate at to really live fully and wholly. So, you know, that said, this is we're in June. This is June 1st that we're recording this. And so this is internationally Men's Mental Health Month, which is really so important to me because in my coaching practice, I work with and have worked with more men and men don't have as many outlets and the outlets that they do have, they don't take advantage of those outlets as much. And so I think it's important again for us to keep talking about it to normalize the caretaking of men's mental health in the same way that, you know, that you guys want to go to the gym and pump it up. Well, they're, you know, getting to a level of taking care of your spirit, taking care of your emotional self. And right now, you know, Michael and I are both in Texas. And even though it's happening all over the country, Texas certainly has had its fair share of mass shootings. And this year, it's become an epidemic in the United States. So I do not on this podcast you know, this is not a place for politics and talking about yes or no to gun control and this and that and the other. But what I do want to do here is talk about the state of, of mental health that leads to mass shootings. Because if men are not taking care of their mental health, then this contributes to feelings of violence on an internal level. And the rate of suicide among men is much higher than it is with women. And part of that is because we talk to one another, we talk things out, we get it out and we move our emotions. It's literally a movement of the pain that we experience in life, the things that we take in, the things that we witness that are hurtful. We move that out in more ways than men do. So we have to be able to provide outlets instead of saying, oh, it's about gun control. We have to go deeper and further than that. So before a gun ever gets in someone's hands to then carry out a mass shooting or carry out uh, harm to self, before it ever gets there, what is happening that leads to that state of mind? So we want to be really dealing more with the human spirit and the elevation of the human spirit and helping men to understand that you are loved, that you matter, that you have a right to be here and that there are those of us in this world who champion you and want you to be healthy and live fully. So I know, Michael, that not now, but in the past, you have had an organization called Drums Not Guns. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and about men's mental health and what your experiences have been in, in helping men elevate themselves. Yes, thank you. I'm making a quick note here. You said a lot there. That was, that was uh, very rich. And you're so right. I mean, there is, it's a big problem, right? And it, and it has many, many tendrils. So part of it is, is the social isolation. 
right? And and this relates back to when we we're talking about benefits of of drumming and a, and a well facilitated drum circle. Uh, you know, part of that relates to social media and everybody having a cell phone in their hand at all times and this illusion of, uh, you know, online relationships being actual relationships. And I, and I don't mean necessarily in the sense like you and I are having a conversation. We know each other IRL, as they say, right? Exactly. IRL. <laughs> um, I'm talking about people and especially the younger people. And I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Younger people who, I mean, honestly, they don't even know if that person they're talking to is a real person or if that's their name or age or gender. Right. Um, Or this sort of identification with celebrities. Right. Yeah. As if you know them or know anything about them. Like the fact that you even care. For example, the fact that someone might even care what the Kardashians were today. (laughs) I mean, honestly, on some level that points to a dysfunction in society. Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, and then the whole thing, um, you're correct at the way that women do have, and it's more normalized and accepted for women to share and express their emotions, to get together as women and talk. You know, men's groups are often scoffed at as either, either we're going in, into the woods to beat our chest in, in a way we wouldn't dare do in front of women, you know, to really show, you know, or we're like going to like be like women with men, right? And to like cry about our emotions. <laughs> right. And, and you know, none of those are, neither of those are correct or helpful. Neither one works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so men are kind of left in this society with very few options, right? And And even less healthy options, like bonding over football or NASCAR, which is something I just don't do. It just, I don't know. I just never got it. Right. Um, but that doesn't run, that doesn't run very deep, right? That's a safe yeah. thing for men to do. Um, so let me just, just speak to drums, not guns. I, I did not found this. A friend of mine, Happy Shell Wiseman, who died a few years ago. Um, this was his concept and he created this nonprofit. I came in, I was uh, president of the board for 10 years to help run the organization. Um, and we would get, uh, um, we would get approached at various uh, festivals and things we would do in the general public. Um, some vet, uh, a war veteran, they would come up and wanted to, had a bone to pick with us because what's wrong with guns anyway, you know? And, you know, so I would explain to them, it's not, it's not, we're not saying get rid of guns. This is not a anti-Second Amendment pack, right? This is, it's a metaphor, Right? Drums. Drums are things that bring people together. They're both things that make loud cracking noises, right? But in fact, there's a music therapy protocol in helping to reduce uh, PTSD and anxiety reactions with veterans to loud, sudden noises because that can trigger memories of war, right? Even on a, on a somatic level, right? Their body is back there. And with the drums, we can desensitize people to that and make them um, less triggered by just the normal sounds that surround us. So, you know, Drums Not Guns is about using uh, a tool of cooperation rather than competition or conflict, right? Let's go to cooperation rather than confrontation. Uh I've owned guns. I lived on a farm, right? I was never a big hunter, but, you know, we had guns. I have nothing intrinsically against guns 
per se, generally. Although I don't think every civilian needs a you know semi-automatic machine gun. Uh, I think the research that has been allowed to be conducted, because there are actual, a lot of people don't know this, there are actual laws against conducting research relating to uh, guns, crime, and health in this country. It's because the gun lobby is very powerful. Without getting into politics, these are just facts. Uh, what we do know is that a lot of people are killed by guns. And there is a high correlation between uh, the density of guns in the population and the number of people that die from them, right? Correlated worldwide, um, as well as types of guns. So that's one issue that may or may not be dealt with anytime soon. In the meantime, there's a lot we can do about educating people, um, giving people resources, strategies, um, coping skills, mechanisms for dealing with anxiety, even confrontation and strife. I mean, it's ridiculous. Every other day I see on the news, like there's some road rage, somebody gets shot because somebody honked a horn or flashed their high beams at them. Like cars aren't the issue. Guns aren't the issue there. It's like, what's going on in society that people are walking around with this rage, right? This pent up anger, which comes from a place of hopelessness and powerlessness. Because you don't have that rage unless you feel kind of hopeless and kind of powerless, right? So how do we end up there? Um, and that's maybe a whole other discussion. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. That's really more where I like to land. Yeah. Right? And what can we do about it now? Um, and uh, what I thought of when you were speaking a moment ago about, you said something about having a, a plethora or a collection of practices that we have. And I love that because... In this society, for the most part, we want a pill, we want a massage, we want a sound bath, we want to be the passive recipients, and I'll give you some damn money, I'll pay you, just do it for me, do it to me. And no, it's... Yeah, just take this away, yeah. Yeah, it's about personal responsibility. Personal responsibility to society at large, this is all of ours. Like To the extent that we say there's anything wrong, it's all of ours' fault and all of our responsibility to do something about it. Yeah. And my sense of personal wellness and well-being, that's my responsibility to deal with. Yeah. Not to go pay somebody to fix it for me, not to take a pill. Uh, I mean, not that there aren't times when that is appropriate, right? Right. Yeah. When you don't develop your own practices and you don't engage in responsibility for yourself in that way, for your own mental health, you do not have any freedom. You are a prisoner to circumstances and you give all of your power away to someone else to lift this off of you. So I am all for mm -hmm. doing all the wonderful things that help us out, giving yourself help, getting those massages and, you know, doing a sound bath if you want to, I've never done one, but I, I figure I would like it. So, you know, just doing all of those practices that, that help us feel pampered and cared for because we need each other. We need to feel cared for. However, it is first and foremost, our responsibility and that responsibility, I think some people see that on the front end as more responsibilities. How much more can I take? 
But really, the kind of responsibility we're talking about here is the kind that leads to personal freedom. Exactly. To having autonomy, to knowing that I actually have the power to change my state from within at any given time. I have that power. I don't have to hand that over to someone else and to circumstances because there's always going to be. Right. And I have the choice. Yeah. There's going to be circumstances happening all the time around you and it's going to pull you here and pull you there. But you can change that within yourself, the way you feel about it and respond to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so there are practices by which we can develop stability, resilience, right? Uh, An inner locus of control, which simply means like I am the master of myself, right? Yes. That way you don't blame other people. Like, oh, you made me feel this way. No, nobody made you feel anything. You, you felt a certain way. And actually you feel a certain way as a result of the story you have about the meaning of what that person did, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if you don't have this story, you don't have the context, right, for that uh, sort of response. So, um, yeah, like you say, it is a way to develop freedom, autonomy, peace of mind, right? And people might think, oh, that seems like work. Well, you know what? It's really a lot more work to go through life suffering every day. It really is. When you don't have to, right? Right. It really is. You know, I'm wondering, um, do you happen to have any kind of hand drum handy? Yeah. Yeah. I have one right over here. Like right next to you? Here, let me grab something. So... This has been such a great discussion and there's so many places we can go with it. I think this is just a really good overview for anyone listening and watching to recognize that there are ways for you to start aligning your health, for you to feel better and have more of the kind of life that you want to live that's rich and joyful and full of energy and vitality And so I'm going to let Michael tell you where you can find him and his work online. And you know where to find me, nakedvibes.com, and right here on the podcast and at Instagram, KimberlyKane.music.media. And there's a lot more where this came from. So both of us will be engaged in and continue to put things out to lift you up and help you achieve those levels of wholeness where you're aware. We don't ever get to a state as long as we're humans of now I'm done. I've reached that pinnacle. I've achieved wholeness. But we get to a level of awareness where we step in and out of it. We know and we recognize more quickly when we've stepped out of integrity, when we've stepped out of our center. And when you recognize that more quickly, guess what? You can step back into it more quickly. So Michael, tell us, I'm going to let you take us out with some drumming, if you will, but tell people where they can find you. Sure. So uh, the easiest thing, if you can remember drum heart. If you Google Drum Heart, you will find me. You don't have to remember a website or anything. Drum Heart. Believe me, you will find me. (laughs) Um, So that's the easiest thing. And then you'll find my webpage. You'll find my Facebook. You'll find my email, my address, and my phone number. Everything's there. Um, 
drum, like a drum we've been talking about, and heart, right? Drum heart. So um, I have this drum. Actually, I, I, one thing I do is I teach drum making also. I, I make and uh, repair instruments and then also teach people how to make instruments. This is one. Beautiful. You can see it's a pretty big drum. Yeah. Right, that I made a couple weeks ago. Um, we do a workshop at the house. My wife does decorating on the back. Really fancy looking, a really nice one. Love it. Beautiful. And with Michael's accompaniment in the background, I'm going to say thank you for joining us here on the Naked Vibe Show. Remember to love big, take care of yourself, and keep tuning into the show because this is Men's Mental Health Month internationally, and I will have things for you all month that help elevate your spirit and help you align your mind and your body and your emotions so that you can live fully. Thank you. Take care. I appreciate you, Michael. Thank you, Kim. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Michael Kenny. He has so much experience working with groups and just elevating the joy. He really understands the power of music to create a shift. I want to continue helping you create those shifts in your life because often when we feel stuck or when we just want to make a transition and we're not really sure how to go about that, We often think we got to make a big move. What is amazing is how if you just shift the weight from the right foot to the left foot as a metaphor, that's enough to make a big change. I want you to think about that in terms of a rocket ship going to the moon. You know that the smallest change in trajectory will send that rocket flying past the moon completely missing the target. Think about that and know that a great place to help you make shifts in your daily life, in your career, in your personal life, in your relationships is in Real Men Rock, the community group that I've created for men to be able to help you get some coaching in a group setting and in a safe space that's not on social media. Go to the link in the show notes on nakedvibes.com, click on that and read more about it. Right now, you can become a founding member for half the price. Don't miss out on joining this really powerful group. Recommend the podcast to others, send them the link, connect with me on Instagram on the DMs, subscribe to the podcast so that you do not miss an episode. Let's connect. You matter. Make it a great week. Love big. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk with you soon. You have the freedom to be naked and unashamed about who you truly are. Stand in the truth, love big, and you are aligned with the greatest power in the universe. I'm Kimberly Kane, and this is Naked Vibes. (laughs) 